Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We feature the great Mats Vlander, seven-time major champion, former number one in the world, international tennis hall of famer. We also feature University of Texas Longhorn Athletic Hall of Honor inductee, Johnny Levine, two-time All-American at UT. I'm Andy Zoden, and as we come to you tonight on... August 8th, 2022, Roger Federer turns 41 years of age today. And last year at this time when Roger turned 40, we did a retrospective on Roger's career. We talked about pretty much everything he did in tennis from about the age of 15. We're not doing that tonight. But here's what's going on in the sport of tennis as we speak. Roger Federer is no longer 40. He's in his 40s. Rafael Nadal is no longer in his 30s. He's in his late 30s. Novak Djokovic still has some tread on the tire, clearly, after winning Wimbledon, but he's in his mid-30s. And the bottom line is, based on the result in Washington, D.C., with Nick Kyrgios winning the singles, teaming with Jack Sock to win the doubles, Mats Vlander, like it or not, Nick Kyrgios is the face of the sport of tennis. There's no denying it. Should we be excited about that or should we be concerned about that? Well, I think we should be excited about it because um, the last two tournaments that Nick Kyrgios has uh, has shown up in Wimbledon and then Washington, D.C., um, I think if you haven't, if you don't know the history, the past six, seven years of Nick Kyrgios' tennis career, I would say that he's okay. It's okay to do what he's doing at Wimbledon. And in Washington, D.C., as long as he tries on every point, uh, the chit-chatter that he has to his box, I mean, that's that's a personal thing between him uh, and his box, whether it's his mom or his dad or his friends or, or trainers and coaches and friends or whatever that is. Uh, I think some people would have a hard time sitting there, maybe taking that. But, but again, that's between them. And they have must probably figured out that this is how Nick has to uh, let his uh, emotions out. And this is how he's going to be playing tennis if he's to play his best tennis. So I like it. I like it a lot. But I think it's really important also for people to realize that that you can't just uh, turn over a new leaf completely and have everything you've done in the last six, seven years be completely forgotten. Because there have been times when he has not respected, I think, the sport enough, hasn't tried 100% uh, all the time. Uh, and certainly the uh, chair umpires need to be a little stricter with some of the language that he's using, uh, I believe. The fact that he won doubles as well, uh, albeit with the most talented doubles player in the last 10 years in Jack Sock doesn't matter. I mean, can you imagine having Nick Kyrgios and Jack Sock playing doubles often and also doing well in singles? That would be healthy for the men's tour. That's the take of the former Grand Slam champion, the international superstar, Johnny Levine, another former ATP player and a top 100 player with a great career of your own. 
Through the eyes of a tournament owner, I can only imagine the excitement that you would feel to see Nick Kyrgios show up in your draw. But the fact of the matter is, is that your tournament also benefits the Phoenix Children's Hospital. So what are some of the conflicting emotions that you would have about Nick Kyrgios being the face of the sport of tennis? Well, Nick Kyrgios, Andy, happens to be a very charitable guy and has a love for kids. He's conflicted because his behavior at times is not what people would want to see for kids looking up to. And so I think it does trouble Nick Kyrgios because if you really study and look at you know what he's done for, for, for kids in general, um, how he loves kids, you know, I think I think he he wants to be the right role model for them. He does um, give them time. Uh, it's very evident and obvious if you really understand and know Nick Kyrgios. But but the behavior, you're right. I mean, it's 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 not good for the youth in tennis, and it's something that I think he wants to work on. I, I think that we're gonna hopefully see you know Nick kind of get get through his past demons with this great tennis that he's playing. And had he had there been points at Wimbledon, I think you might see him in the top 10 in the world right now, but, but he's definitely a top 10 guy. And I hope that, uh, that he gets there soon and maybe, maybe we'll see a a great U S open result from him. The fact of the matter is, is as far as the points go, if Nick Kyrgios had gotten points from Wimbledon, as of today, he would be ranked 15 in the world. They made that statement during the DC tournament now so that's the take that's Matt's take and now your take Johnny now as a guy that spends his time in the trenches you know at a club working with a lot of kids I think that the problem is is that when you see him do certain things that he can do a la against Francis TFO he is down match point and in a very in very disgusted fashion he hits a big serve TFO hits the return and while shaking his head in disgust Nick Kyrgios hits a drop shot winner and just walks across to change sides and then goes on to win the tiebreaker and win the third set, 6-3 in the third. But he's doing things that you just can't do. You just don't do. You can't hit tweener winners. You can't hit shots that are just between the legs just because you want to do it and then still go out and win. And I'm concerned that he's going to be a role model for kids that in their wildest dreams – Matt Spielander will never be able to, in a successful way, emulate what Nick Kyrgios is doing. And I think he's going to potentially derail some careers as a result. I agree with you 100%. And I only say that because I've heard Leighton Hewitt talk about uh, kids in Australia. And kids in Australia, they obviously look up to Nick Kyrgios uh, because he's the most probably the best player that Australia has produced since since maybe even Leighton Hewitt. Uh, and and it, it, the behavior is one thing. I think that's going to be up to the parents to figure out that, okay, so it's okay. You like Nick Curious, but you can't say cer- certain things just because Nick says it. Now, the problem that Leighton Hewitt sees with kids looking up to Nick Curious is based on his technique. 
And Nick Curious technique on the forehand, it only works because he's Nick Curious. He very rarely gets his close stance in there. He often just slaps at it uh, and he slaps it in because he's got an unbelievably explosive arm. Uh, he hits the ball very close to the middle of the racket when he wants to every single time. Uh, and, uh, and he's got the feel so he can put a certain amount of topspin on it. He can do things. Kids don't have that natural talent. So I think technically... I'm worried. If they serve like him, great. That would be really cool because then we have a lot of big servers out there. But the technique is a worry uh, in Leighton Hewitt's eyes. And I think you're right, Andy. It's going to be a worry for for kids around the world because it's just not possible. Just go to John McEnroe. I mean, how many players did came after John McEnroe that play like John McEnroe? Zero. Zero. I never, ever saw another pro try to play like John McEnroe and succeeded. Jimmy Connors, another guy, zero. So there are certain styles you cannot imitate. And I say Nick Kuro's technique is one of them. Yes, he'll derail some careers for sure. But maybe because of him, the numbers will grow and there'll be more kids playing. And maybe through that, we might get some uh, great champions uh, out of the sheer volume of players that would pick up the sport. Johnny, last word on this. You talked about the fact that you're going to the U S open again, just like the French open, just like Wimbledon, you and Matt's will be there. I will be at home. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. Now, my question is, is Nick Kyrgios far and away the top draw? Is he the, the number one ranked must see player at this year's U.S. Open? Well, I'll tell you that five years ago... I'm not talking about five years ago. Now, damn it. I, I, let me finish what I was going to say. Okay, fine. Because I, five years ago, whenever I would go to a tournament, the one I wanted to see was Nick Kyrgios. And I think he is absolutely the most entertaining player in the world to watch play tennis. His personality is is very interesting, fun, engaging. He's got maybe one, two, or three top serves in the world. The thing is an absolute bomb, and it's fun to watch. Um, his antics, you know, if they're not super negative or foul, are great. He plays with the crowd. It's a pretty big if. Well, but but you know when he's winning, he's he's obviously not going to have as many, you know, horrible antics and things of that nature. It's going to be more in fun when he's winning, which is, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's not neither here nor there. I don't think it's great, but he's, he's, when he is winning, he is fun. That serve is monstrous. He's got just a great all around tennis game and he, and he's great off the ground. He can come to net. I think he's the, the, the best entertainment that tennis has right now. So is the answer to my question a resounding yes? He is. Yes, absolutely. So let's close it out by just rounding back to where we started. On Roger Federer's 41st birthday, which is the day that we are recording this show, and those of you that are listening are probably listening within a few days of that, the fact of the matter is is that this is a a benchmark day because this is the day that Nick Kyrgios is coming off of his first singles title in three years winning the singles and the doubles and absolutely without question being considered at this moment, the face of the sport of tennis. And without a doubt, 
the guy that you have to see if you go to New York for this year's U.S. Open. Okay, we'll we'll let it go on that comment right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the players that have had some pretty good runs on the hard courts so far. And if you're not so fortunate to get a ticket to a Nick Kyrgios match, who are some of the other guys that Mats and Johnny think you definitely want to catch if you can make it to New York or even if you're just watching it on television. You're listening to kickserveradio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and we will be back right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, guys. Sarah Z here with a kick serve, quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru, Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, As we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say, more advanced or more experienced in our life, how about just body weight and body maintenance? That for me is becoming, I I think, tougher by the day. Boy, you're not alone. And along with our sports performance line, BodyFuse also offers a full weight loss line. And we have a fantastic product called Purify, which kickstarts your weight loss. It's a GI detox. It's a water cut as well. So it's really great for bloating, irregularity, um, and people love it to kickstart a weight loss program. And then with that, we couple a product called Blackwall Shredded, kind of cool name. It's a daytime thermogenic. Um, and also has a nootropic in it. It's not super high stimulant, but it's just a, a good mental focus. And it just basically kickstarts your metabolic rate. So that's a daytime thermogenic. We also offer a nighttime thermogenic called Midnight Burn. And this has melatonin and GABA as well as a thermogenic. So it kind of continues that metabolic rate uh, bump, if you will. So the, these three products are, are sort of like the magic trinity. I don't want to say magic pills because there's no such thing. But Midnight Burn at Night, Blackwell Shredded in the Day, uh, and then Purify to kind of kickstart your system and clean out your GI tracts. And in addition, Purify, along with the detox, it allows us to start absorbing nutrients a little bit more efficiently as well. So those three products are just a fantastic trio and very, very popular. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse. BodyFuseUSA.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We're talking about the fact that Nick Kyrgios right now on Roger Federer's 41st birthday is at this moment, at least in my opinion, the face of the sport of tennis. Don't talk to me about Stefanos Tsitsipas or Daniil Medvedev or Alexander Zverev or even Carlos Alcaraz right now. It's it's all about Nick. And, and, uh, and Johnny reminded us that not only did this guy win the doubles 
in DC. He won it in Atlanta with Kokonakis, and of course, having won uh, the Australian Open, those two together. So it's crazy to think that all of these guys that we thought were going to be the next player to win the, to win a major have suddenly taken a back seat from the standpoint of of player recognition and player popularity to Nick Kyrgios. But that is the fact, Jack. So let's talk about the U.S. Open, and there are some players that we want to keep our eyes on and, and not a guy that's necessarily going to make it to the second week of a major, but a guy, Johnny, that we really kind of fell in love with at your tournament was JJ Wolf. And he had a pretty good run in DC as well. A win over Taro Daniel in the first round. Uh, he beat Shapovalov. He had a good run on the way to the quarterfinals before, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, exited at the hands of Andre Rublev. But there are some players that are up and coming, J.J. Wolf being one of them, and then you nailed it with Ben Shelton. So talk about that kid, because literally the minute you mentioned his name on our show, he goes out and takes Isner the distance in Atlanta, losing a tough third set tie break down there. Yeah, from what I'm hearing on the inside is that Ben Shelton has got a big game, big serve, um, he's 254, I believe in the world right now. And he's just starting out. He's planning on going back to college, I guess, unless some more crazy results happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, the kid is poised. He's got a great, great coach and his dad, you know, Brian Shelton, who's, who's super, super experienced guy was a top guy, won ATP title at Newport was, I think, believe he was in the top 75 in the world. So and he's the coach of Florida right now. So he's got great coaching. And I think the serve is, is you know, a big lefty serve, um, can come to net. And, you know, he's got a wild card in the open. It'll be interesting to see how he does there. Um, but let's mention another young guy who just won a challenger last week in Lexington who played the Arizona Tennis Classic as a wild card uh, in the qualifying. And that's Jerry Shang from, from China who beat Emilio Gomez in the finals. And Shang is a guy that uh, a lot of people are talking about. So let's keep our eyes out for, for this, this player. He's, he's really good. As long as we're on the subject of, of Asian players that are breaking through, Matt's Nishioka has become the top Japanese player, and he showed his stuff uh, in D.C., making it out to the finals. I mean, uh, a bit of a counterpuncher, a guy that moves well, runs well. Is is this about as good as it's going to get for him getting to the final of DC and then coming up against? He was fighting out of his weight class against Kyrgios. Yeah, definitely fighting out of his weight class. I mean, Nishioka is so talented. He reminds me so much of Marcelo Rios, uh, the great Chilean player. Unbelievable hands. Uh, Rios, I think. Um, if you if you say you could say that he was a bit lucky, I guess, to play at a certain era when when players weren't overpowered, the kind of player that Rios was. But I think he was talented and good enough where he would have done well in any generation, Marcelo. Uh, but uh, I think Nishioka, yeah, you're not gonna. Uh, uh, he's tough to beat in five sets, that's for sure. Uh, against the Nick Kuros in two out of three sets with Nick serving well. Not going to give him uh, a, a great chance to win that match, but you have to beat him. So I guess in a way, it's great to be the number one Japanese player. But at the same time, I would think that uh, the Japanese Tennis Federation and, and uh, coaches over there would sort of scratch their head a little bit and and uh, and kind of like, okay, so he is a really good player, but when is our next superstar going to come? Because obviously, with Kei Nishikori having done as well as he did, uh, and not at the end being able to win a major, I, I'm assuming that we're not going to see Kay 
Nishikori back at the latter rounds of, of Grand Slams. Although if he if he stays injury free and he, and he keeps trying to come back when he does get an injury, then maybe. But uh, that's going to be a tough one. So I think uh, uh, Japanese tennis is healthy. Nishioka is a is a, a good leader in that way. He's nice. He's outgoing. Uh, he's not uh, an introvert at all on the tennis court. He's plays with a big smile on his face. He's great to watch live. Um, so it's good. At the same time as I think Japanese tennis, I mean, I'm waiting for them. Tennis is huge over there, especially with Naomi Osaka having broken through and being the first Japanese to win a major a couple of years ago or four years ago now. Uh, and then, of course, she's got another three. So she's got four. That would uh, uh, make kids want to play tennis. So on the men's side, yes, a little bit disappointing over the last sort of five to ten years, apart from Kei Nishikori and Nishioka is now... Uh, the leader of that pack, but uh, I still expecting Japan to to bring out a future Grand Slam champion within the next 15, 20 years. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Carl Daniel, another player that's making some noise. Matt, uh, Mikhail Emer is a guy that when you watch him play, certainly doesn't look anything like you, different you know, cultural upbringing, but game style-wise, there is some similarity size and stature and and the way he plays uh has to be a little bit of a man after your own heart well you are right andy it comes from a, a very different upbringing of course uh but born in sweden full-on yep. swedish him and his brother elias and they've been the leaders of swedish tennis and the davis cup team for for quite a few years now of course Mikael has had a had a great junior career made the finals of wimbledon and his generation is tough it's a very difficult generation uh for him to to break through he doesn't have the big weapons uh but he's got heart um he's got if i may say so uh, Swedish tennis IQ in many ways where he might lack that big weapon, but, but he plays you as the opponent and he tries to wear you down. And, and when he can, tries to bring you down to a level where he can deal with you. But again, he's making uh, inroads every year. It seems like uh, Mikael Emer is getting better and better and better. At some point, he's most probably going to run into uh, a wall that's too thick to go through. But where that is, uh, I am. I'm not sure anymore. I think that he has a top twenty uh, possibility. I do because he can play on any surface. Uh, he likes clay, uh, loves the grass, and was probably best on hard courts uh, because of his movement. So uh, yeah, of course, in Sweden we're very excited. Uh, Sweden is part of the Davis Cup um, tournament at the end of the year with Mikael, of course. Um, being uh, the number one player in Sweden. So, yeah, in Sweden, Sweden is getting very excited about Mikael Umer and people and players coming from behind. Wins over Emil Rusevori and Sebastian Korda en route to uh, a semifinal against Nick Kyrgios. That's the, the wall that he ran into that you were referring to, Mats, in D.C. Johnny, you were raising your hand in a manner, uh, if people could have seen our Zoom, it reminded me of Arnold Horshack on Welcome Back, <laughs> Cotter. So clearly you've got something that you want to add and that reminds Go ahead. So just where, where were well, you on that? Well, I just want you to know that it's right here, right now, that we're talking about Jerry Shang and Matt's made me think of him again. He's 17 years old and guess who's his coach? Marcelo Rios. Wow. So there you have it. There you have it. Okay. So where that came out of the Chilean coaching a Chinese player, we will never know. But the fact of the matter is you did it. And you came in like Horshack, which reminded me then of Travolta 
which also reminds me of the fact that as we were going on the air, I just heard the news about Olivia Newton-John and it breaks my heart because uh, my wife and I were fortunate to see her play in Vegas at the Donnie and Marie Theater there at the Flamingo. And that was about six years ago when she was 67 years of age. And I'm telling you, she was still a knockout and she still had it. And that is, it's a sad day to lose her. Any, any kind of uh, um, history there for you, Matt's crossing paths with her having won the Australian? Um, no, I did run into her at the Australian Open because she used to come to the Australian Open all the time. Okay. Um, and, uh, and she was there uh, at, at about the time when she got sick uh, for the first time and, and had cancer. But to go back with Olivia Newton-Yon, I remember the day that I went to see Greece with my then girlfriend in Sweden in a small movie theater. And I'm telling you, I, I can remember that day so well, because at to that point, that was the best movie that I had ever seen because of the music, uh, because of Olivia Newton-John, of course, especially when she put those uh, leather pants on uh, towards the end of the movie. The only movie that was better than that was an American movie called Kelly's Heroes, that I'm sure you guys love <laughs> uh, with Donald Sutherland. Uh, in in the role of being a, a little bit of a freak in there. But yeah, Olivia Newton-Yon, I mean, what an unbelievable performer, actress as well, uh, but just a super, super human being. So yeah, very, very sad day. Mats, do you know who Shorshak is? Um, I don't know who he is. No, I mean, I must probably do, but maybe not. Well, you, were, you were in Sweden during the days of what, of us watching, you know, these shows like Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, no, I was in Sweden. Now, the only thing we, that came to Sweden, Johnny and Andy, was MASH. Huge in Sweden, and therefore Kelly's Heroes was such a massive hit. Okay, we are all over the board on kickserveradio.com, and we digress. And, I mean, we, when we digress, we don't mess around. So we have gone from talking about Mikhail Emer to somehow – transitioning into Olivia Newton-John, God rest her soul, one of the great, as Matt said, human beings and entertainers uh, and humanitarians of all time. She will be missed, but not forgotten. Uh, and we are just all over the place with Arnold Horshack and everything else. But we are going to try to get it back together for the third segment. We're going to try to dial it in for you. So don't go away. Give us a chance to redeem ourselves on kickserveradio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I promise we'll do better in the next segment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment. We promised we'd do better. We're going to get back to talking tennis, but there are some issues with tennis that we need to discuss. Matt's Vlander, Johnny Levine, I'm Andy Zoden, and Matt's Johnny sends me a link to uh, a post recently saying that Novak Djokovic is still optimistic about playing in the U.S. Open. Now he sent me that 
I would say several days, if not over a week ago, what do you know or have you heard that would be indicative of the fact that we might see Novak Djokovic in New York, in the United States, playing in the U.S. Open this year? Um, guys, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any news at all. Um, I mean, I did hear from uh, uh, from a very reliable source, being you, Andy, that he is preparing uh, <laughs> Unreliable for the U.S. Open the way that he would prepare normally, which is obviously very... Uh, like Novak Djokovic, I think he prepares every day, like he's going to be playing the US Open next week. So um, I know there's a petition out there trying to trying to put pressure on the US Open and, and, and US government, but I really don't have any idea. It would be very sad if he's not able to play, I think. I would like to hear a little bit more of an explanation from Novak Djokovic, to be 100% honest okay. about why... Uh, he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Is it a political thing? Don't tell me what to do. Is it a health thing? I'm too afraid of it because I interviewed Hugo Amber at Wimbledon and he got vaccinated and he was out for six months uh, where he could not practice or train at all. So it affected him big time. But you know what I do want to say is that the longer this goes on, the less interested I'm in who's going to become the greatest player of all time because these two or three years has affected that race between the three goats, uh, Roger, Rafa, and Novak, so much that in the end of it, we're not going to get uh, that um, so clear to us that who is the greatest player of all time because of what Novak Djokovic is going through. Well, it sounds like the French got a bad ba- batch of the vaccine because if Hugo Umber couldn't play tennis for six months, after getting the shot, didn't that same thing happen to Jeremy Charty as well? I believe that's right. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like something was going on there that it was, uh, you know, potentially uh, uh, in common for those two. So that's incredibly bad luck. Johnny, when you go to the Open this year, what are the things that you – I mean, obviously I know that you would love to see – you would love to see Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer there and see what they can do to sort of hold off some of these players. But – of, of the players that, that are that are up and coming, I mean, who besides Kyrgios do you kind of have your eye on? We saw Casper Ruud break through and make it to the final. He had played your tournament. I know you always have a little place in your heart for guys that have come through Arizona at one time or another. Holger Rune is another guy that's had a, a good season making it to, I believe, what was it, the semifinals of the French. But we haven't really heard much or seen much from either of those two since. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see Tim – Richhoven, um, who won an ATP tournament, a Dutch guy in his hometown and has had a lot of good wins this summer. I think he's just coming off a a bit of an injury, but he's got, he's a guy that's got a very big serve. He had been hovering around 200 in the world at 25 years of age. And then out of nowhere, he wins an ATP title. And I believe he had maybe won one ATP match prior to that tournament or maybe zero. Uh, and then he beat Medvedev in the finals. I know he beat Fritz in that tournament. An incredible result. I did see him play Opelka at Wimbledon. He won that match. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a big game. So, I, you know, I'm anxious to see him. I'd like to see Ben Shelton play for sure. Um, and, um, you know, I'll go back to Jerry Shang, who's playing great. Good God. Guy, I mean, this guy's gotten more mentions on this show than, than we mentioned Borg once, and we've talked, or have we? I don't know. This Chang guy is the MVP 
of Kickserve Radio. I never heard of the guy. I but like these. Up, right. I like these up and coming. Gotta be kidding, Andy. Uh-huh. As you know, um, I guess look, so. Look, he's 17 years old. I can't believe that it's me that has to bring this up. But Thank I mean, 13 somebody, of them. Honestly, honestly, in the la- in the round of 16, so the last 16 standing, I would not be surprised to have at least five or six Americans this year at the Open because with the la- most probably the lack of Nadal, most probably the lack of Novak, we know Roger is not playing. We know Zverev is not playing. Uh, we know that Tsitsipas is not playing uh, very well at the moment. Medvedev will be there for sure. Uh, Curious will be there. Alcaraz. But, I mean, Francis Tiafo, uh, Jensen Brooksby. We got Ben Shelton. We got John Isner still playing well. Riley Opelka is tough to beat. Tommy Paul, best year in the last 12 months. Jack Sock, Maxime Cressy. Jack Sock is back in, the, in, in business again. I mean, we got some seriously good up-and-coming Americans, and they're not up-and-coming anymore. They are there. Uh, they are 20, between 20, sort of 2 and 27 years old. They're in the prime age of their career. And I think that if you if the draw opens up a little bit, we have a very good chance of having a couple of Americans in the quarterfinals this year. And I'm, I'm not saying it's because you guys are American and because the U.S. Open. And when I go to the U.S. Open, Andy, because I know you're not, that's what I'm going to be looking for. And I'm working for Eurosport, so we're covering the European players. But there is nothing like going over to court two uh, and watch like a third match or a fourth match or the first evening match somewhere. And you got someone like Francis Tiafo or Sebastian Corda or, or, or Jensen Brooksby. Uh, the, Amer- the New Yorkers go nuts. And then they know what the draw looks like. And there ain't no Novak or Rafa or Roger there most probably. So I think this is going to be a huge open for the Americans. Um, and uh, I actually would be slightly disappointed if we don't have a couple of guys in the quarters that are Americans, to be honest. Well, if at the risk of Johnny going back to the Shanghai again, I'm going to bring up J.J. Wolf. Because, uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm, I've, I, ne- I neglected to mention that after beating Shapovalov, he beat Holger Rune. Uh, French Open semifinalist. So he was 99 in the world going into D.C., and I got to believe he comes out of that tournament, uh, you know, right around 80 or so, if not higher. And then the question is, is a Taylor Fritz who went out with an injury in the D.C. tournament at the hands of Daniel uh, Daniel Evans when he was down 4-3 in the third, had to walk off the court. So there's got to be concern for American tennis fans with the situation with Taylor Fritz because he was the guy that for all the world had – Rafael Nadal, you know, on the ropes at Wimbledon and had a real opportunity there to uh, but to break through and play Nick Kyrgios in the semis of Wimbledon. It wasn't to be an amazing, an amazing effort by Nadal to get by Fritz that day. But we can only hope that Taylor Fritz, the highest ranking American, is in full health going into New York. Johnny, I'll go back to you. So before you go Horshack on me again and ask you this, if Nick Kyrgios is the big draw in the sport of tennis right now and the most watchable player, who's the player that they're going to flock to in New York first and foremost on the women's side? Wow. Um, Is it Coco Goff? I think it might be Coco Goff, the way she's playing. Thank you for the help on that one. Uh, But let's not forget Jessica Pagula from the U.S. who's but the most watchable player. I mean, Goff has been in a final of a major. Right. No, you got to go with Goff for sure. Um, her level is, is, is super high right now. I mean, she's headed to the top 10 and um, I would, I would have to say Coco golf for sure on that. Matt's 
Amanda Anisimova seems to have all of the goods for what a New York crowd looks for. She's got the game. She's got the the looks. She's an athlete. She's got that sort of a modern-day Kornikova look about her, but then again, a modern-day Kornikova ability to to let you down when you think she's about to break through and become this level of a player and she gets into her own head what's to be made of her and her chances to do well in new york well i think the surface is perfect for her i think that um uh usually the, the new york courts are they're not as quick as australia um, they're pretty quick. Uh, of course, it depends on the conditions. So tennis-wise, I think she's perfect for the U.S. Open. Suits her absolutely perfect. Now, with a New York crowd being as wild as they are, um, I'm not sure if they're looking at someone like Amanda Anisimova to to stir up enough emotions for them. And I think Coco Goff will handle that and will give the crowd a little bit more of what they want. Of course, Serena Williams, because we are uh, uh, doing this on, on a Monday night, Serena Williams had her first win uh, in the Canadian Open in three sets against uh, uh, a lucky loser, but still she had a win. So she'll be She'll be part of the U.S. Open, and I think that's the most interesting story to me. Is this the last U.S. Open that we'll see Serena Williams playing? And or is this the last time we see and think that she might have a chance to win? Uh, and that'd be interesting as well. But uh, but again, I mean, uh, Sloan Stevens always does well at the Open, Madison Keys. So on the women's side, I mean, I'm not – I think you have a lot of players that have a chance to actually win the tournament, as anyone seems to be able to win a Grand Slam on the women's side these days because of the depth of it. So, yes, you have a good chance of a U.S. Open champion on the women's side, and you have a great chance of having a few guys – get to I mean just remember James Blake at the US Open I know Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi and all that but but James Blake being from Connecticut uh, and having his whole gang his whole friend uh, circle of friends from Trumbull Connecticut come down the atmosphere when he played on Arthritis was absolutely incredible and I think someone like Francis Tiafo uh, can get the New York crowd going most probably better than uh, than any other player at this particular moment. Coco Goff might be number one on that list. Well, and then you speak of, is this the last time we're going to see Serena Williams? I mean, I turned on Tennis Channel a few nights ago, and I'm watching Venus Williams still out there playing tennis. So will the New York crowd be treated to another opportunity to see Venus Williams? And before we close out, I'm not going to make the same mistake that I made when I forgot to mention this after the French Open. I'm going to close out by congratulating uh, a guy that I've been friends with for many years and that you guys have gotten to know over the past year or so, and that's uh, Philip Farmer, who I taught how to play tennis from the age of 12, who's out on the tour coaching. He's been with the Bryan brothers and lots of great players since, and right now he's working with the likes of Austin Krychek and Ivan Dodig, and he spent some time with Hans Hockford Dugo. He was in Arizona. His, his boys made it to the finals of the French, had Matt points in that final let those slip away and then just recently made this final in dc i'm speaking of austin krychek and yvonne dodig unfortunately when they got to that final there was nick Kyrgios, and as you termed it matt's the best most talented doubles player in the last decade jack sock and sock and Kyrgios won that one five and four but good for you philly farmer good for you austin krychek and yvonne dodig we are KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Happy birthday, Roger Federer. We'll be back talking before the U.S. Open, after the U.S. Open, and for the rest of the year. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch everybody soon.